Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. We've been doing our memory verses together, and last week's uh, memory verse, uh, Romans 3.23. Oh, it's not back there. Sorry. Oh, man, we're going all over the place. Sorry, you guys. Help me out here. Let's go back. There it is. Okay. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Let's say it together. Let's say the whole thing. If you know it, there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption by Christ Jesus. Amen? Great. Thank you so much for sharing those verses. I should have the children stand and share with us on that. And today we have another verse that is well known. It's already been up there. You know, in my trunk I have two of these. And these are new windshield wiper blade replacements for my Arkea, our car. I got a good price on these. So I bought these about seven months ago. And they're in the trunk of my car. And every time the windshield wipers go, and there's a smear across the front, and Teresa asked me, when are you going to change those windshield wipers? I always remind her, well, they're still in good shape, right, Dan? Because they go back and forth, which means, I mean, the rubber part isn't stiff and stuck. um, So I don't think it's time to change them yet. The reality is, it is time to change them. It's just that... I've had this history with windshield wiper blades. I don't know if you have. That it looks like the simplest thing in the world to do. Right? Some of you know what I'm talking about? Yep. You look at the instructions on back. And you read that. And it's, it's got a pin and a pinch tab. It's even got an adapter. And you just, you know, I mean, I've got a master's degree plus. I mean, right? So um, I'm not, I'm no Dan Amundsen. I get that. But I should be able to change a windshield wiper. It's so simple. And every time I do it, I get so upset with myself, and I finish, and I turn the car on, and the thing flops around, and I take it off, and I put it back, and I try to find the button. And one time I was, finally, I just I was holding the thing, and I let go of it. And you know what happens then? It's got a spring, and it cracked the window. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this should be the simplest thing in the world to replace. And then to help. To make things even better, I came in and I sat it down, and Dan looks at it and goes, that's the wrong brand. So thanks, Dan. <laughs> I have more. He has more. He got more. Rich Aqua's got more in his garage. Simplest thing in the world, change a windshield wiper blade. This morning's verse, Romans six twenty three, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This should be the simplest verse in the world to preach on. We, we know it. I know it. I've learned it since I was a child. Many of you have learned it since you were children. It's part of what we call the Romans Road. Maybe you've seen this. And that's a simple layout of verses from the book of Romans. Our need for salvation. Last week's verse. For the wages of sin is death. The gift of God. Today's verse. For all have sinned, fall short of the... Oh, wait a minute, I got that backwards. All the way around. Romans 3.23, then Romans 6.23, and then Romans 5.8, that Christ came. We're going to learn that verse. God's gift to us, Romans 6.23b, of eternal life. 
And how to receive Christ Jesus, Romans 10, 9, 10, and 13, to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a very simple layout of the gospel. Romans 6, 23 should be a very simple verse. And the more I looked into it this week, and the more I considered it and read the context, I realized uh, how much depth there is that uh, we could spend a series on this verse, of course. But the value of us learning these verses together, the value of learning these verses together, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, is to learn them as we learn them in the context that this might help you even more to remember the verse as you think about the context and where it comes from in the Bible and what part of the whole that it is. So let's pray together. Fathers, we just spent a few minutes now looking at this very well-known, in some ways very simple verse, and yet, Lord, one that uh, we can impact so much from that we want to find that balance this morning, Lord, of exploring the depths of this passage, but also the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the, and the joy of eternal life. So we ask to that end your presence with us, your Holy Spirit to enable us now in Christ's name. Amen. I want us to consider this uh, this verse this morning. Uh, I want us to consider the the context that is that we find it in, as well as the content, and then we'll make an application. We're going to talk about the context, but first we're going to you know, we're going to talk about the context, then we're going to talk about what it means, the content, and then we're going to try to apply to our lives. You can take something home with you today that is meaningful to you. What really struck me as I was reading this verse, is that every time I hear this verse, and when I began to memorize it, um, because I'm working a week ahead, because I'm when we're preaching on it, and I always think of this verse in terms of evangelism, the Romans road, right? The evangelism. For we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of God's glory. Gary preached in that last week. The wages of that sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Would you receive that gift? Why wouldn't you receive that gift? As I got to thinking about that this week and looking at this passage, it occurred to me, not for the first time, but the first time I've really kind of kind of uh, stopped to really kind of consider this in a real serious way. While this verse is part of the Romans road, if you will, And it is a wonderful passage on sharing the gospel of good news for someone to receive for the first time. I want to remind you, this verse was written to people who were already saved. It was written to Christians. This is the epistle to the Romans. And in fact, in this very verse, he says, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He is their Lord. When you go back to where this epistle starts in Romans chapter 1, the apostle Paul begins as he normally does. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle. And then he kind of lengthens this introduction than he he does in most books. But then he comes in the verse 7. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. And it just really occurred to me that we need to stop and think about this verse in the context that this was written to Christians. This was written to a church that was made up of Jew and Gentile, male, female, rich and poor, slave and free, ethnicities, culturals, a mixed group of people who were believers in Jesus Christ. 
And they, they gathered in their church setting, most likely. And for the first time, somebody had this letter, this, this written on this papyrus probably, or written on some kind of a scroll or something, and said, I have a letter from the Apostle Paul for our church. And they gathered around. And they listened. Remember, the Bible was originally written to be heard. Every book was written to be heard. People didn't have copies of it. And, and, they, and they gathered around as believers in Jesus Christ, and they listened as somebody read, can you imagine, can you imagine sitting and paying attention? And how many of you are doing BSF this year? Let me see your hands. Huh? Okay. Can you imagine sitting and listening in one setting and taking in the book of Romans? How many weeks have you been in it already this year? And you're in depth in it. And they sat there and listened to it and tried to put all these pieces together. And one of the pieces was written to them as Christians. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you've been studying Romans, I know many of you have. This this section falls in between this, this great piece that Paul has written by the Holy Spirit on faith and works. Abraham is the father of all who come by faith. For you Jews who consider your works of righteousness as somehow being meritorious to God in themselves apart from faith, you are wrong. For you Gentiles who think worshiping idols and falling off the way you've gone, completely ignoring the God of the universe, it's wrong. There is only one way. It is through faith. And we talk, and Paul has already talked to them about the fact that in Adam, all humanity is corporately, as a group, corporately. I could talk today about the Brian Bible Church family. You're part of that family because you're part corporately of that today. We are in this building today. And Paul says, you are all in Adam, whether you like it or not. As Gary shared last week, because of Adam's sin, we are all in Adam's sin. But we can all be in Jesus Christ. We can go to this building over here and be in this building as the members of the church, the body of Christ, through simple faith. Paul has laid that out to him in Romans 5, 4 and 5. Then he comes to chapter 6. And we want to talk about the content of this, this, this amazing verse that wraps up this section before we go to Romans 7, if you were doing it as a book study. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. In the next chapter, chapter 7, Paul is going to really delve into this conflict between the natural man of sin and the spiritually led person. And who will deliver us from this conflict? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So in this passage, we're going to go to today, I want you to notice how this passage begins. Chapter 6 begins with two questions. It's really the same question, but it, it shows up twice. And so we're going to look at, we're going to read this section that precedes verse 23 particularly. Romans chapter 6, verse 1, after Paul has made this point that we are saved by grace and not by faith, it is strictly apart from any works of the law, any works, whether it's the Mosaic law or any moral standard law. We are saved simply through faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ and the cross of Calvary. And apparently, with his emphasis on the grace of God, there are those who are saying, wait a minute now. So, Paul, what you're really saying is we are saved by God's grace and all of our sins are forgiven because of God's grace. 
So my sin is evidence of God's grace when He forgives me. So the more I sin, the more God forgives me. So the more I sin, I'm actually doing God a favor, right? Follow that argument? This, we call this in theology antinomianism. This idea of, of, this, of abuse of the law and of morality. And these people got it all wrong. These are Christians who evidently are getting off track and saying, well, it doesn't matter how I live because the more I sin, the more God forgives me. So um, thanks, God, I'm doing you a favor. And Paul, look what he says here. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning? He's talking to Christians. He's talking to the church of Rome. Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? Follow the logic that they're, they're using here. Paul's response is, God forbid, out in King James, God forbid, by no means, we died to sin. How can we live to it any longer? And then he talks about this. And then he comes back in verse 15 and he asks the question again. This is a very, this is a huge issue evidently at the church of Rome. And he says, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. God forbid, twice in this passage, shall we continue to sin? What are you thinking? Christians, no. God forbid. How could you think that way? How could you think that it's okay to purposely live a lifestyle of sinfulness? God forbid. You've died to sin. And in this next section, he goes into another metaphor that he is going to use here. Look at, look at how this follows verse 15. This leads up to our verse we're memorizing this week. By no means, verse 16, don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey. Now, in the Roman world, and I thought about this, you know, we, we have experienced the slavery in the Western Hemisphere. Our slavery experience in the Western Hemisphere was very cruel, um, and the, the slavery in the old world, it could be cruel, and it was at times, but it was also a little different. Um, there are those who, who have done study on this that say, for example, if Paul is writing this from Corinth, for example, possibly, that one-third of the population, I mean, count every three people here, one, two, boom, one, two, boom, one, two, boom, one, two, boom, you are a, some type of a servant or slave in that culture. One third of the people. Now, when I think of the Romans, when I think of slavery in the Roman world, um, I think of this. Right? Anybody recognize that picture? The movie will be on, I'll guarantee you, next month. Here's Ben-Hur. Uh, epic, colossal movie. And Charlton Heston in that scene, right? In the galley. Um, I, I, I remember seeing this at the Grand Theater in Greenwood. Where somebody had been to Tapper Theater. When I was a kid, that used to be the Grand Theater. We'd go up there. And I remember seeing Ben-Hur. I think my dad took me to see Ben-Hur, actually. Um, at the Grand Theater. And that's that amazing scene of them rowing. And uh, that, that scene where those boats crash, right? With the, with the, the wooden galleys and these slaves chained and, and so forth. That's what I think of of slavery in the Roman world. But slavery in the Roman world was very diverse. There were, there were slaves like Charlton Heston, right? But there were also household servants who were in charge of the education. Like you would have a slave, and if you have children, that, and that servant, that slave would be in charge of their education and their training. You would trust them completely. 
There were household servants. There were manual workers. If you were to look around the Roman world, many of the people you would see doing labor, like you might see today, were probably servants or slaves. You could sell yourself into slavery. If if your debt was so bad that you had no hope of paying it off, you could sell yourself to slavery and pay off your debt, and you could be out of slavery someday as well, servanthood. This was pervasive in the Roman world. Paul begins Romans 1. Paul, a what? A servant, a bondservant, a slave of Jesus Christ. So I'm just, I want you to get this context that in the Roman world, this idea of slavery was just pervasive. It was everywhere. And so he uses this and he says, listen, he says, look, look what he says here. He says, don't you know that when you choose to obey someone, to, you offer yourselves to someone, you are obeying them as slaves. You are slaves to the one whom you obey, whether you have to or not. Now, there is a legal, these servants here are legally bound to obey. If you're in a galley with Charlton Heston and the guy says, row, you row. If not, you're whipped. Otherwise, you can, you can choose to obey. Think of the military world where you, you obey your officer. And he says, listen, we're back in verse 16. Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. So Paul takes this slavery and servant analogy that they are very familiar with, and he wants them to think about the fact that in our human condition, we are slaves to sin. Why? We are born in sin, for all have sinned. I shared with the basketball my devotions yesterday. I don't know if you watched the Husky game yesterday against Oregon. And I believe it was a free, a free throw, a free shot. And, the, and he shot it and it went back, hit the back of the rim, bounced up, it came down, and it just sat there on the back of the rim. It didn't go in the basket. It didn't go off the side of the basket. It didn't go up. It just sat there. I mean, you hardly ever see that. And you can't, if you tried to do it, it you, you have a hard time doing it. And the game stopped. And, and as uh, Dan Royal aptly knew, it's a jump ball, which means possession. It's, it's, it's dead. You can't do anything. And I shared, you know, shouldn't you at least get a half a point for that? I mean, it's sitting right above the circle, right? Doesn't that make sense? Keith, you're a lawyer. Doesn't that make sense? It's sitting above the circle. It's a free, it's a free shot. Come on, at least a half a point. So, no. It's not, it's, it, it makes no difference if that ball is sitting on the back of the rim waiting to go in or if you shot it over the back of the backboard or as my first free throw in the bump game yesterday that uh, Steve Duke put me out of. Um, I missed the, I missed everything. Can you believe Steve Duke put the pastor out? Of, where, where, where is that guy? Where is Steve? Can, I, can you believe that? Put the old pastor out and bump. It doesn't matter if you shoot it outside the gym or it sits on the back. You have missed the mark. Friends, it close doesn't count with God because we, Gary talked about this last week. God is perfect. God is holy. God is just. We, we cannot conceive of that He is purely perfect and intrinsically holy. And He can't be a part of just a little bit of sin. And because of that, we are in Adam. And because we are in Adam, we are slaves to sin because we obey. It's not a matter of degree. 
It's not a matter of you counting up your sins and me counting up my sins and, and see who wins. It doesn't matter if you're sitting on top of the goal or on the back side of the backboard. It doesn't matter. You missed. Whether you like it or not, that's the message of the Bible. And this is why the message of the Bible that Paul says here, verse 17, but thanks be to God that though you used to be, now he's talking to Christians here, you used to be slaves to sin. You have wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you entrusted. You have been set free from sin. You have been set free to become slaves to God, to righteousness. You have been set free from the bondage of sin to now be free to serve the holy God who is holy and just and who loves you. Why? Because Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary. He shed his blood. He paid for my sins. He paid for my sins. In third grade at Camp Gilead, I was thinking of your dad, Keith, your husband, Judy, Bruce. When we were singing that song, I could just see Bruce singing that song, The Grace of Jesus. He was our camp director up there. Bruce was camp director. I was sitting there in chapel, and I received Christ as my Savior. I didn't understand everything, but God worked in my heart and opened my heart up to the simplicity of that message that I was a sinner. I hadn't lived that long. I hadn't collected that many sins. But I was a sinner, and I knew that. And Jesus died on the cross because he loved me, and God chose to love me. And he paid for my sins. And when I received Christ as my Savior, friends, I did not, in third grade, begin a journey of sinlessness and never experiencing sin again. But I know that when God looks at me, he sees me in Christ. And Christ is God. God, which means he is holy, he is just, he is perfect, he is righteous, and that's how God sees me. And I was freed from this bondage. Why? Let's read the rest of this passage. Well, I want you to stop for a minute and look at this verse here, though. Uh, Well, first of all, remember Jesus said the same thing. Jesus said the same thing. I tell you, I tell you, you, if you obey sin... You're a slave to sin. When the, when the rabbi said, we're, we're children of Abraham, you can't call us sinners. And he said, no, that's not true. If you, you, anyone, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And then this passage here, I want you to notice in verse 17, this is significant. This is significant that he says, you have obeyed from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. The NIV translation. You have come to obey what? From your heart. This is a matter not of outside works, that you worked hard enough, that you've worked hard enough to be better than anybody else. No, it's a matter that from your heart, with the heart we believe and the mouth we confess, we'll learn this verse in Romans 10, that Jesus Christ is Lord. You obeyed it from your heart, Paul says. That's why it's not a matter of law versus grace. It's a matter of the heart. It's a heart issue. And because of that, you have been freed, and now you have become, verse 18, slaves to righteousness. You you are Christian. This is written to Christians. You are slaves to righteousness. Then Paul has to review it again. 
I put this in human terms because you are weak in your natural selves. Just as you used to offer the parts of your body to slavery, and look at this language, to impurity, to ever-increasing wickedness, since you did that. He says, listen, now, offer your parts of your body, offer the members of your body, offer yourself. This seems to be kind of military terms. If you had weapons of military, this seems to be the context of these words here. Offer them for God's service. He says, now offer them in slavery to righteousness, leading to holiness. You are holy. You are holy. You, that's why it's called to the saints at Rome. The word saints means set apart, holy. But we are called to live holy and to live in holiness. And Paul says, what benefit did you reap of that time from this? those things that you are now ashamed of, Romans? Those things that result in death. But now... You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God. The benefit you reap leads to to holiness. And the result is eternal life. So he says it, and then he says it again. And look at the emphasis in this passage, this whole passage. Look at this emphasis on slavery and servitude. He's reminding Christians, slavery to sin leads to death. Death is the outcome of sin. We experienced death this week. Like I mentioned, Fred Olson, somebody who had an important part in my life, he died. He died. He's gone. He's gone from us. But he's with the Lord. Death is a result of Adam's sin. Adam and Eve. Whether we like it or not, that's what the Bible tells us. Death is the outcome. And slavery to sin in general leads to the experience of death and death in our world and the sadness and all that comes with it. But thanks be to God that he has provided life and eternal life. And he equates this with slavery. And I, and I use this illustration. I use it with the young people when we talk in our Bible instruction about these, these things. And we all know this. I know this. You, you know I'm human. You're human. We all understand this. None of us are perfect. We get this. Read Romans 7 if you don't. I am free from the slavery of sin and death. At one time in the United States of America, it was legal to be a slave. With the Emancipation Proclamation by President Lincoln, it was no longer legal. It was not possible legally. And you were freed from slavery. Could you choose to live that way still? If I were a slave in Rome, and my owner set me free and said, Jim, you're free. Somebody paid off your debt. I, I, you offered yourself for slavery for 10 years because you owed a debt you couldn't pay. This guy over here came forward and paid your debt. You're free. You can go now. I'm free. Legally, I am free. I'm not a slave. But could I still go back and act and live and say, no, I'm sorry. Please tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. I want to. Uh, I? Yes, I could do that. But it doesn't change the fact. I am free. And you get what Paul is saying here? Paul is saying, listen, Christians, believers, you are free. So live like that now. 
Choose to live that way. Don't choose to live what you are no longer. You are no longer a slave. You are free. Why? For the wages of sin is death. The wages. It's what has been earned. But the gift of God. Notice it's the gift. It's the graciousness. It's the word that we use for grace. It's the root word for, for charis, for Eucharist. All these words connected with it. It's a wonderful word. The grace of God, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so when we look at that verse, we look at that verse, do we read it as if Paul is saying, now listen, Jim, if you continue to sin, you no longer have eternal life because you, you're going to die from the, from the wages of sin. Do I have the gift and do I lose the gift? Do I have the gift? Do I lose the gift? No, that is in the past. If I choose to live that way, it is not good. And it does not please God. And it is not a good way to live. And we all dabble in that. We all step back in that until God reminds us, like a passage like this, no, you are free. You are a servant and a slave of God. Let me close with this in this uh, uh, this quote from one of the commentators. I, I really, really kind of struck with me this week. What has taken place, moreover, being freed from the slavery to sin and freed to righteous, to love and serve God is unmistakable, irrevocable, and irreversible. Amen? Irreversible. God did it. It's a passive verb, which means something happened to, somebody else did it to you. You didn't do it yourself. God did it. God made you free. But then there's 12 active verbs that say, okay, now that's the case. Do this. Do this. Live this way. Act like this. Be righteous. Be what you are. To the person under grace, righteousness is not a possibility, but it is a necessity. I want you to take this home with you today. I want you to take this home. I want you to remember that Romans chapter 6 In verse 23, for the wages of sin is death was written to the church. It was to remind them of where we came from. And yes, it is a great evangelistic passage for you here today. If you do not know Christ the Savior, it is a great evangelistic passage for you today to hear this and to understand this. That sin equals death. Whether you like it or not, sin equals death. The Bible clearly teaches that. For the wages of sin is death. But, in Paul's writings, this word shows up many times. And you need to see it in the Greek for the emphasis. But, I mean, if that were the end of the story, it would be sad. But, The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. God's gift. This week, this is written to Christians. And it's an invitation to non-Christians. God has called us, friends. And, And you know, living in righteousness means a lot of things. 
Sometimes it means our daily response to temptation. We all know that. We all know that. I know that. We are tempted to sin every day. How do we respond? Do we do good instead of right? Do we choose to suffer? Do we choose to suffer? You know, doing what would please you and make you the happiest. Uh, I remember years ago, Dr. Dean at Grace Bible College, I always remember this saying, I could avoid a lot of unhappiness in my life and a lot of strife if my goal was just to be happy. Sometimes suffering means do the right thing. Do the right thing. Even though it may not feel good at the time, do the right thing. Live righteously. Live rejoicing. You know what I think we don't do enough? When I say we, I'm just, I'm just talking about my experience. You know what I don't do enough? I don't stop. I don't stop enough. And just really contemplate eternal life. I'm not going to get eternal life. I have eternal life. You know, we kind of sometimes throw it out there. Well, we know we're going to see Fred again. We know we're going to see, name name the person you're thinking of right now. Uh, some of you right now are you know, dealing with this situation with loved ones who are, you know, it's, it's a hard time. Maybe the, end, maybe the end of life here. And we talk about that. Do we really believe that? Do we really, really, really believe that we are actually going to be in the presence of of all those dear loved ones that God has called home already? Do we really believe we are going to stand in God's presence and He is going to say, welcome home? Are we afraid that we're going to stand there and He's going to say, yeah, I know you received Christ, but you missed the mark? Or do we really believe we are forgiven? Do you really believe that? Do we really believe in eternity? Yeah, I know we do. But what difference might it make in our lives if we took five minutes a day this week and put everything else aside, turn everything off, unplug it, it comes out of a wall like that. And just take five minutes of quiet and just think about heaven and eternity. I wonder how that might impact my choices each day. Might it put things in a little better perspective? Do we really do that? Do we really, really act as if we believe we have eternal life with God? And we are going to be there with Him. Friends, that should change our lives. It should change our lives. It should bring us hope. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's conclude our service. You got another 16-part song for us there, Faith? (laughs) Thank you for doing that. That was fun, wasn't it? Yeah, that was great. That was a great song. And let's close our let's close our service with another great song. Let's all stand and they're gonna lead us in our closing song.
Amen. That's really true. And we call you today. And when we say, oh, sinner, that's not just pointing you out. That's all of us. We invite you to come home. Home is a good place to be. God wants you home with him. Receive Christ as your Savior. I promise you this week, I'm going to change my windshield wiper. (laughs) You caught that singular, right? Wiper. And if I don't break the window, then I'll try and do the other one too. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to read the instructions really carefully. I'm going to unfold them. I'm going to find the English section, and I'm going to read it really, really carefully. And I'm going to change this windshield wiper. So will you do something for me? Will you take five minutes and unplug? Just pick a time during the day. I don't care when it is. I'll do it. Just take five minutes, and let's contemplate eternity like we really believe it. And let's let that impact what we do each day. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for this congregation. We thank you for the chance to come and just sing to you, to lift our voices, to help one another. Lord, we are all weak, fallen creatures. We all understand that. We all understand our human nature. But Lord, what a message of hope the gospel of Jesus Christ is. And may we share that hope with our world this week. May we live it. In Christ our Savior's name we pray. Amen. Hey, lunch in the gym if you like. Hamburgers, support our mission trip. And uh, come down and join us for lunch.